So as recently in Turkey, as most of you know, if you follow the website, we had an event in Istanbul. And um, before the event began, I went out with some of the MBA students from one of the local universities and also there were MBA students from other schools like Harvard and so on. Then we went to a um, very, very nice um, restaurant. I cannot remember the location and if I could, I probably would mispronounce it. And what was interesting about it is that um, they had these flat screen TVs around the uh, restaurant and they were showing fashion TV on the uh, on the TVs and you know high high definition television so the images look very nice and uh, a few minutes in this advert came up for uh, the Real Housewives of I think Los Angeles or something like that I can't remember the details right and some of these MBA students went into this massive discourse about how the show was an affront culture it was the lowest of the low they um, they cannot believe that people actually spend money and time to watch the show. You know, these women have nothing better to do. They're just wasting their time. They're wasting their their husbands' money. They're uh, not being good mothers. They're just in it for the attention. I mean, it was just a, a I think, a horrible attack on these women. And it, it came from all sides. You know, it came from the guys who were from, um, you know, the American universities and the the uh, people who were from the uh, Turkish um, universities. As well and I was listening because I didn't even know what the show was about and I remember asking someone um, you know have you watched the show and this was the interesting thing no one had ever watched the show you know everyone had an opinion everyone had f pretty much came to a conclusion in terms of uh, what they would um, of what they thought about the show they were you know they were very passionate about what they believed but they had never watched the show and this podcast is all about image management and it got me thinking about how images are formed you know when we when we manage our image we are managing what people think about us right and we we would like to think that people apply common sense they they do their homework before they draw a conclusion. Think about adverts, right? If you've ever worked for Procter & Gamble, P&G, Unilever, um, and so on, you know the amount of money that is spent on advertising and advertising research. You know, uh, you know there's a consumer research commission and so on to determine what kind of factual messages should be put in the ad to get consumers to understand the product. But I think people just draw conclusions based on what they see. I mean, no one had ever watched the show and they decided that these people are worthless. And it also reminds me of the American um, Medical Act that Obama pushed through, you know, recently overall the medical um, system in the United States. And I was thinking to myself, I actually did attend um, an event for a client, a, a board meeting, and um, you know, let me rephrase it, not a client, a former client, you know, we don't serve, we don't do consulting anymore, but we do sometimes sit in at no cost to help clients think through issues, sorry, former clients, I need to stop saying clients, former clients think through issues, so, you know, one of my former clients, chairman of uh, a very substantial medical devices company, invited me just to observe and, you know, give my input to make sure they were thinking through things correctly, and you know, we're sitting around this room with this entire legal team, and everyone was debating about why the act was going to hurt their business another group of lawyers is saying why the act will help the business and and you know, I actually raised my hand and said has anyone actually read the act and no one has read the act they've read 
other people's interpretation of the act. And one of the things I did as a consultant is always go to the source material. I ignored people. You can put in front of me the world's most famous expert in a subject, but I'm not interested in his opinion. I will go to the source material. It takes me longer, but it gives me more, I think, useful insights, and it gives me a better handle on the information so I can speak like an expert. Now, why am I giving you these stories? One about the real housewives of Los Angeles, and um, the other one about um, the uh, you know Obama Act. Well, the point I'm trying to make here is that images and opinions are shaped by irrational decisions, right? They're shaped by the fact that we don't have enough time. They're shaped by the fact that we have preconceived biases that we want to place on individuals who we, who whom, who whom we may have never met. It is shaped by the fact that sometimes we just don't like certain kinds of people. We don't like women if they look in a certain way. We don't like men if they look a certain way. We don't like certain nationalities. We don't like certain kind of accents. We don't, kind of, we don't like certain kind of food. The point I'm trying to make here is that when you are thinking about your image and how to manage your image, you must understand that it is a lot more difficult than you think, right? So it is not as if you do certain things, your image automatically improves. To manage your image today is really difficult in the age of the internet, right? One of the things we do is to scrub our you know, images to make sure that we control what we have out in the internet. It's not easy to do, but I think a lot of people today try to put as much as they can into the internet. And the more you put out there, the much harder it is to control what you have about you. But I'm going to come to that later. So, your image is a agglomeration of many things. It, someone may not have even met you ever but they will, in their head, they have an image of you. It doesn't make it right, it doesn't make it wrong, it is what it is. And when you think of your image, I think there's two things you need to think about. You need to think about your reputation, you need to think about your status, and they are different. There was a fantastic course taught at one time at Wharton. I don't think the guy is still there. The last time I was at Wharton, I couldn't find him. But I thought he taught one of the most amazing courses at Wharton. And one of the things he always said was that, you know, um, there's a difference between reputation and status. Hopefully I'm remembering this correctly. I wasn't in the class, I just met him once at dinner and he said that well reputation is everything you did in the past that give you your that gives you your worth today and he said his status is the way you use your reputation to enhance your place in the social hierarchy and the th the, the sort of zinger at the end is he said that you cannot change your status unless you have a witness that is the one of the primary primary conditions for improving your status you need to have a reputation that can allow you access to someone that will change your status but there has to be a witness for example right let's assume that um, I don't know let's assume let's take a simple example let's assume that an unknown singer visited um, the Prime Minister of Britain to play a song for his family right if no one knew about this the status of the singer doesn't change so there has to be a witness, right? But clearly the reputation, either good or bad, of the singer, his past reputation allowed him or afforded him access to that network. But there has to be a witness. So always remember this when you are building your image, right? You only change your status if there's a witness.
you can sit in front of your desk as long as you want, but if people don't know you are involved and they don't know who you are, your status doesn't change. Remember that you have to go out and do things. And when I say go out and do things, I mean you have to contact people. Your status also changes if people know you know someone else, right? That's how LinkedIn makes its money, basically. You know, you, if you link to someone important and powerful and everyone knows you link to someone important and powerful, then by default you become a little bit more important and powerful. But let's not talk about suppositions and uh, assumptions. Let's go into the into the sort of nitty-gritty of it here. So managing image, there's two parts to image. There's the unseen side and the seen side. I'm going to talk about this specifically from the um, viewpoint of you know our clients and not just our clients but other candidates who are trying to either network their way or just to meet consultants. The unseen side is um, all the interactions you have with someone before they've met you in person. So let's assume you've um, you want to speak to a principal from, I don't know, let's say McKinsey in um, let's say Sydney, Australia. You send him a mail, right? The first time he knows you exist is when you send him the mail. But he's going to draw a lot of conclusions from that mail. Firstly, the fact that you send him a mail and doesn't call him impacts your image. It allows him to craft a narrative of who you are. What you say in the email crafts a narrative. Are you pushy, desperate? Do you make grammar mistakes? Do you sound like a teenager? The time you send the email, you know, also has an impact. Do you send it at 2 a.m. in the morning? Do you send it on a holiday? Do you send it on a weekend? Then he will respond to you. How you respond to him, how long you take to respond to him, what you say, how you build the conversation. The point is he's built a narrative of you. Now what you find very what you find very interesting is that I'm sure you've seen this with yourself as well. When you communicate with someone, the image that you have in there in your head of them is very different from the image that the person projects when you actually meet them. This is normal with everyone. So what you want to do is you want to reach a point whereby the, the image you project in person is the same as the image you project when you write and talk to person virtually, right? And then when you meet the person, obviously, you know, everything comes out to you. The way you dress, the way you speak, um, the way you um, talk, the way you communicate, your mannerisms, whether you perspire, what you order, you know, do you pay attention to the person you're speaking to or do you stare at everyone around you uh, when you meet them in person? All of those things build your image, right? And I think that a couple of mistakes people make in managing the image is they jump into it. They just try to get into it and they have this viewpoint, you know what? I'll get into it and I'll learn as I go it. And what I tell people is that that's okay, but what you can do is something better. It reminds me of a movie I once watched. And, you know, you've got these sort of physics guys at university and they're all staring at this chili. They're more like salivating at this chili. And this one, this one physics guy with glasses turns to the other one and says, that's going to be my future wife. And this, his friend looks at them quizzically and says, what do you mean? You know, she doesn't even know you're alive yet. And he says, yes, that's my competitive advantage. And if you think about it, there's a, there's a very clever lesson there. If someone doesn't know you exist, someone doesn't know you exist, you have a perfect opportunity to craft who, whom you want them to think you are or to craft your image. So that don't rush in and start networking with people when you're not sure what message you want to deliver and what image you want to create of yourself. You should, however, take time to think about that, right? And plan that. So what do you do? I think the first thing you've got to do is I always tell people work on your resume first. Because your resume is the one-page summary of who you are. If you, if you can build out your image, your narrative of who you are in your resume, you should update your LinkedIn profile, essentially, because most times when people meet you, the first thing they do is they go to your LinkedIn profile. 
well younger people do that anyway i'm not sure about older people but most people go to your linkedin profile so work on your narrative work on the image you want to cultivate right that's that's very important you know think about what what do you want people to, th- to imagine when they see your resume slash linkedin profile and my advice is when you're getting someone to look at these things, do not give it to a friend or family. They always give you biased advice. Give it to someone who doesn't know you or someone you've just met and doesn't know you very well and is going to give you, you know, unbiased advice. So don't jump into the networking. You've got to take time to first understand the image you want to put forward. And then once that is very clear, every time you meet someone, you you must realize these are three, two or three messages you want to consistently deliver. It's a tactic in politics. I'm sure you've seen it, right? So those of you who have you know followed politics, you know that whenever you see gifted politicians, I wouldn't say all politicians, most of them are not gifted, but as soon as you see gifted politicians, no matter what is raised with them, they find a way to bring it back to the two or three messages they want to deliver, and they deliver that consistently. Now, very importantly, you know, you don't want to be too much like a politician, you want to answer the questions, but certain things you can learn from them, and that is knowing what you stand for, or knowing what you want your image to stand for, and being able to deliver that, right? And your resume is the same thing. Your resume is delivering two or three important messages about you. Your LinkedIn profile should be delivering that as well. But when you meet in person, it's a very different ballgame. Because when a person decides to meet you, they've either they've, they've automatically built an image of you. Because either through the interactions you've had before they met you, a referral from their friends, seeing your LinkedIn profile, seeing your real resume, they've built an image of you, right? When you meet in person, I find a lot of people are obsessive about communicating perfectly. And I think that, you know, I'm going to use another analogy here. When people obsess about communicating effectively, they're obsessing about the means and not the end. Let me give you an example, right? Let's assume that, um, you know, the military in the United States is obsessed with building the perfect missile defense system to stop warheads from some, you know, rogue nation in Asia. If you if you if you if you set the question is how do we build a perfect warhead, the military will uh, will miss the point that maybe they should just build better relations with that country so they don't need the warheads. Now this what may seem like this very tangential uh, metaphor, let me explain how it relates back here. If you focus so much on communicating you will you miss why you want to communicate better. You should focus, however, on trying to get people to understand your viewpoint, the first thing, and secondly, to help them understand you. That's why you communicate. So when I sit across from a person and I talk to someone, I don't obsess with perfect, I don't, I don't become obsessive with perfectly structuring my sentences and speaking in this clear way. I don't really care about that. What I think to myself is, okay, this person has asked me a question. How do I answer them as clearly, as crisply, and as simply as possible so that they can understand what I'm trying to say. Secondly, if they try to ask me something, you know, what are they trying to ask me indirectly? Maybe I can give them more information to get, to offer them information that they're really looking for. So when you communicate, don't worry about trying to, you know, be the smartest person around that table. Do not worry about speaking in a, you have to speak structuredly, but the point is you must focus on understanding. A lot of people think it's okay to sound confusing. 
They they take it's a badge of honor when no one understands them. So it's not a badge of honor. It's a badge, but not a badge of honor. The point is, you you be, you become so much more effective when you focus on getting someone to understand you. And most people don't. Most people are not interested in that. They believe intelligence is when no one understands you, and when you are difficult. So what happens when you what happens when you get with a, together with a group? There's always a few people who debate with you. Why? Why do people debate? Right? You know, if someone doesn't follow my philosophy, so what? They they're welcome to you know follow whatever philosophy they want. So when you communicate, do not become obsessive about changing another person's view. If you are becoming obsessive about changing another person's view, then you've missed the point of communication. The point of communication is to get people to understand you. If you if people understand you and they still decide they don't want to follow your views, that's okay. So when you when you're sitting across from an interviewer or when you're sitting across from a consultant, always ask yourself this question: Am I answering the questions in the crispest, clearest way and the simplest way that I possibly can, so that they perfectly understand what I'm trying to say, right? And the secondly, you know, when I ask them a question, am I building on what they've said or am I just trying to sound smart? You never want to sound smart. Now, other things you can do to manage your image here is that, you know, we live in a world of supply and demand. You know, unfortunately, capitalism does rule. And in a world of supply and demand, you know, time is money, money is time. So that when people meet you, they're automatically deciding whether you will add value to their ecosystem of contacts or not. And if you come across as desperate, and desperation is anything that shows that time is a problem. Or that you need to make a decision immediately, or that you have no options. You come if you do any of those things, you automatically damage your image. You should always look like someone who has options in life. I stress this point repeatedly. Look like you have options, even if you don't have options. Create options for yourself. But automatically, if you if you tell someone, look, you know what, I need to get a job within two months. I'm going to have no money. They automatically not are not going to want you. Sure, a few people may may put you through the process. You may even get the job, but most people, 90% of them, are going to decide. You know what? This person is so good, they shouldn't be in this position in the first place. So there clearly is something we don't fully understand. And rather than inviting someone into this firm where we there's a, you know, part of their profile we don't fully understand, let's not take the risk. Let's take the safe course and not hire them. But the point is, managing image is very difficult, right? And I always tell candidates, you know, before you start networking, be sure of the messages you want to deliver. Understand that everything you do builds up your image, right? And, and even up to this day, I mean, I've got you know some candidates who will write to me. I'll give them advice, and they'll write back to me the very next day, ignoring the advice, or they'll write back to me in a way that I cannot understand. And I've got to go back to them and say, you know what? What do you mean by this? Please explain. But they don't realize is that. For someone who's really busy to go back and explain to, and ask them to please explain, automatically the image has changed in my mind because I'm thinking they're not c- communicating very clearly. So I think that one thing you've got to understand is image is driven by things within your control, out of your control. But what you've got to do is understand that those soft issues like what people think of you, how people view you when you interact with them, either face to face or electronically, they all contribute to your image. And what you must understand is that while you are trying to get that face-to-face meeting many times, the virtual communication is deciding whether you'll get that face-to-face meeting. So many people tell me, you know what, I appear much better in person. That's nice, but what if you never get the chance to meet someone in person? In fact, for 80% of the people listening to this podcast, you're never going to meet the person you're engaging with in person. You're probably going to do it virtually, speak to them over the phone. So managing this virtual interaction is very important. Now, if you're worried about your image, right... I always tell people, 
you know what, videotape yourself and watch yourself. You'd be surprised about the things about yourself that you realize when you watch yourself videotaped. Some of the things you don't like, some of the things you like, some of the things will shock you. At other times you'll say, you know what, I cannot believe I do this. So videotape yourself. You know, just uh, bring across your girlfriend or your boyfriend, put them across the table for me and have a conversation with them. Keep it unscripted, as always. Just have a discussion. Even if it was scripted, even if you're doing a presentation, you'd be shocked about the things you learn about yourself. You know, I'm sure you've always watched when you go into some of these stores, convenience stores, they have a camera up on the wall, and you always think to yourself, my God, do I look this bad? But that's exactly the way you look to other people. If you're not happy with this, you, you need to actually change it. So image management is a lot more subtle and a lot more complex than you think it is. It's not a few things. It's not something that happens in two days, two weeks. It's something that happens over time. So once you know what your image is like today, you've got to decide how you're going to change it. And remember something, changing your image is much harder than crafting a new image. That's why I always tell people that if someone doesn't know who you are, you're in a lot better position than someone who knows them, but they don't think much of you in the first place. So not having networks puts you in a better position, provided you learn how to build your image when you do start networking. If you have strong networks and those consultants don't think much of you, you're in a much harder position to change their perception. So when you start networking, always pause and say, am I ready or am I going to damage my chances? And if you're not ready, it's better to take a few months to just prepare yourself. So hopefully you enjoyed that podcast. And as always, I'll be happy to post whatever comments or respond to any comments and questions you have. Thanks.